word today. Amen. Believe in God to bless your souls. And how many of you would say that you really enjoyed this series, Grace? Amen. It's helped you in your life. Um, you know, every, every pastor, that is his desire that we want to see that his people are um, really growing and really benefiting from what's being taught. So um, I'm so delighted to hear that. And um, we're going to get ready to say a prayer. Once I get my iPad set the way I want it, amen. Uh, Before we do that, let's just read John chapter number one. If you're in John chapter one, I don't know if I told you that, but if I didn't, get there real quick. John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one, we're going to begin reading in verses six down to verse 17. Gospel of John, chapter number one, verses six through 17. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of all his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, we do bless your name this morning. Father, what a wonderful privilege that we have this morning, Father, to to hear, Father, what you have to say to us this morning. Father, take these lips, take my mind, take my heart, speak through me, Lord. I desire to do your will this morning. We as a people desire to hear directly from you. So, Father, I greatly decrease that your spirit in me might increase. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in his presence. We are in our last installment of our series entitled Grace. We begin this series talking about the law of God and how that Jesus Christ fulfilled the requirement uh, that we had toward God. Uh, The week after that, we talked about how that we were saved and kept by God's grace. And last week, we dealt with the subject of living free. Uh, Some of you weren't here last week, but if you you weren't here and you didn't hear that message and you want to go up online and and listen to that message, it is online for your listening pleasure. Today, I want to focus on a subject as we close out this series is becoming a church of grace. Becoming a church of grace. You all have known, as I have spoken over the past few weeks, the environment that I came out of. And how do you know that where you join or who you partner or who you covenant with is extremely important? You should take that very, very seriously. Uh, People that you connect with and that you believe God is calling you to be for your spiritual oversight. Um, The Bible talks about in John how that the law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace has to do with unmerited favor. It has to do with the idea of you and me gaining something that we don't deserve. And so as I was preparing and really listening and studying this message, I came across, and I'm sure some of you all who read the Bible on a regular basis, and I trust most of you do, But one of the things I saw over and over again, whether you read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, whether you read all of those, one of the things that Paul always said to them was grace and truth be unto you. So Jesus 
came, gave us grace and truth, and he expects us to reflect his character of grace. That's who we are. We understand through our study that we have been saved by grace, kept by grace. His grace is continually poured out over us. But I think one of the things we really got to ask ourselves is what kind of people do we want to present to the outside world? Uh, next week, we will be uh, having a May festival. I'm believing God that we're going to gain some fruit from that. Amen. And I'm not just talking about a bunch of people coming. That's good. But we want to see people come to Jesus. And so we're believing that. And when they come through those doors, what kind of place will they be able to refer to this as? What kind of church are we? What kind of people? Are we strict? Are we harsh? Are we difficult? Difficult sometimes, yes. I mean, the people of God can be difficult at times. <laughs> if you have, you don't believe that, keep living, you'll find that out. But, but it's very, very important that we project the right kind of image as the people of God. Because we are to be like Christ. Amen? We are, to, and his church is to function just as he would in the earth if he was here. And so being that we have been recipients of grace, the Bible says now you have freely received. Now, watch this, we are to freely give that same kind of grace. And so I was, uh, I want to talk this morning about some characteristics of what a church of grace look like. And I don't believe that this is just exclusive to Foundation Christian Fellowship. I believe that this is universal. I believe that this is what God wants for all of his people. And so we want to make sure that we reflect the grace of God and understand what that means. Some of this will be kind of a culmination of everything that we talked about in previous weeks. It would be somewhat of a summary a little bit. Uh, but I think I want you to really kind of listen for it in context of the local church. How was the church supposed to function? Because how many know there's an all-out assault today on the church? I mean, there, is some, uh, there are lies being told about the church. There are people that are undermining the church. The very foundation of the church is under serious attack today. If you don't know that, then you really haven't been paying attention. And I believe that we're fast approaching a time where it's not going to become really easy for us to do what we do. I believe that there's, and this is God, and I, I believe this prophetically. I believe that there's coming a point in time where they're going to try to tell us, churches, those that are Christ, what to preach and who we're supposed to preach to. I believe that that time is coming. And so Jesus talked about how the we expect us to be able to discern the times. We know we can discern weather, but, but in all of that, and Jesus spoke about, but, but we need to be able to discern the times that we're in and what's coming down the pike. And I believe that we as a church, if we hold fast, watch this, and we become the people God want us to be, then we will experience the grace of God and many others will experience the grace of God too and their lives will be transformed. Amen? So number one, we got 10 of these and so we're going to go through them. I don't think I'm going to keep you too long today. Somebody say amen. amen. Hey, don't say that too affirmatively. <laughs> Did you say that like you really believed it? <laughs> uh, number one, what are the characteristics of a church of grace? Number one, Grace produces an atmosphere of acceptance, an atmosphere of acceptance. And what do we mean by that? Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Can you run over there with me real quick? This is one uh, verse I happen to love in the Bible. I learned this as a young believer, and it is one of the most powerful scriptures and the sayings of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. It says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy, verse 30, and my burden is light. We speak about uh, being a church of acceptance. I think one of the things that's 
so important to recall, because sometimes we forget, is that when Jesus saved us, he did not wait for us to get it all together. Am I right about it? He didn't save us and say, okay, I will save you, but in order for me to save you, there are some things that you need to do and you need to fill out this contract. He saved us by his grace, and then he empowers us to live the kind of life that we need to live. And so one of the things that we must understand is that we want to project this image. We want people to know, as the people of God, that we accept you. We don't accept your sin, but we accept you as a person. How many know that Jesus died for people? And so when people have a problem, that's why you can't ever be apologetic about issues of sin. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And we want everybody to be able to walk in our environment and feel like they are loved. Amen. Bible said that God so loved the world. What was his motivation? That Jesus came and died and sacrificed his life for us. And so we want an atmosphere that is one that is of acceptance. Because how many know that Ephesians 1, 6 says that God accepted us into the beloved. He accepted us into his family. And he says, when he, and one of the things about that particular verse says, come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden. And how many know that that speaks of people that's been beat up? How many know that a lot of people walk in churches today beat up? There are some people, I believe, that will never come into churches because they fear that they're going to be beat up also by people in the church. And we have to be sensitive to the fact and, I, and, I, and, I, and people have told me that one of the reasons why they stayed away from church for so long is because of the people would just come down on them. We don't want to repel people away. We want people to come. Amen. And so if people are going to come, we have to be in an atmosphere of acceptance. People, come. We want you to come and experience God's love, experience God's grace, because we believe that once you get exposed to the gospel, Jesus will change you. <laughs> We don't have to worry about trying to change people. Who changes people? God changes people. Number two, grace encourages patience with other people. Grace encourages patience. We're going to be the people that God wants us to be. How many know that we have to be patient with one another? Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 15 in your Bibles. I want you to run over there with me. We're talking about a church of grace. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. You get there, you can say amen. 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 I got to get there. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. But the ones that fell on the ground, on the good ground, are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with what? Patience. How many know that the sower or the farmer, when he plants seed, it takes a little while? And how many know that we got to learn how to be patient with God's people? Amen. But sometimes we push them too much. You know, I was in the hospital. I was visiting uh, Brother Williams uh, and his wife, Kendall, their little baby, just a gorgeous baby. But I was thinking about my sermon then because we was talking about how milk and how, you know, the nursing thing and how you throw it up. And, and I thought that sometimes if we're not careful... You know, give me, let me give it to you this way. If I try to give baby Janae, did I say her name right? Navea, thank you very much. If I try to give her some chicken right now, what would happen to her? Notwithstanding, not I'll probably get beat up by Brother Williams, but outside of that, what would happen to her? She can't digest that because she's what? She's not ready. And sometimes in the church of God, we try to force things on people. We want people to change like that. But how do we know a people of grace are patient with people? You don't have to take up a fight with everybody all the time. We have to allow God to work in the lives of people and transform. How do we know it took a while to get you right, and it's still taking a while to try to get you right? But sometimes we get in church, we want to just jump all over people to do this, do that. You know, sometimes we just need to step back and say, Lord, will you move by your grace and bring about a change? Uh, how many of you have ever heard of Joni Erickson Tata? 
She's a woman who is a paraplegic. She goes all around the world and country and she preaches and she's been in a wheelchair. Such a, a fascinating testimony. Uh, but she was in a bad diving accident when she was a teenager. And, uh, and she had been a passionate preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's something she said I thought was profound. She said, but, but watch, she says, the times we find ourselves, watch this, having to wait on others may be the perfect opportunities to train ourselves to wait on the Lord. And what she's simply saying is that one of the best things that we can do for people is pray that God change them. And we got to be patient with people. I mean, if we're going to be a church of grace, we have to learn to just say, you know what? We're going to work with you. And when people slip, when they fall down, how many know they, they will? That we're the first ones to walk up there and say, you know what? You're going to make it. You're going to be all right. Dust your knees up. Get back up. Stay in the fight. You're going to win the world over for Jesus. Amen? I mean, no, that will encourage them to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Number three, watch this. Grace teaches us, this is the kind of church that I believe Christ wants us to be. Grace teaches us to enjoy the things that God has given us. Now, we have alluded to that in recent weeks, but I want to show you a verse uh, in a book that you go to all the time, Ecclesiastes. Why did I get a laugh from you? Now, for some of you who may not read your Bible every day or may be a little lost, then this comes right out the Proverbs. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 12. When you get there, you can say amen. I know nothing. I know that nothing is better for them. Talking about people. Talking about those who know God and I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice. Watch this. How many know the people of God ought to be a rejoicing people? Amen. I don't believe in stuck up folk. You know what I mean by that? I don't believe in people that's always got to be sad all the time. You know, that some people think that being sad is religious. <laughs> I mean, some people really, they think, you know, they just they don't smile. Being sad is really, you know, no, 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 no. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. And to do good, watch this, in their lives and watch this. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift of God. Did you know the part of your gifting that God has given you is that you enjoy the fruits of your labor? How many know you pay your bills or you work hard like me? You know, you give to the things of God. But you're also to set aside some money so you can enjoy yourself. How many know ain't nothing wrong with the people of God want to take a vacation? I know ain't nothing wrong with that in this house because y'all do it all the time. <laughs> it's all right. But the people of God ought to enjoy themselves. Take that vacation that you've been wanting to take. Go do a little golfing. Go swimming. Go enjoy the good things that God has blessed you with. And look, don't feel bad about it. Because you know why? Who gave it to us in the first place? Sister Diver just said it earlier this morning. God has given us all things. And, and, in fact, it says uh, uh, in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, you can write this down. Command those who are rich in this present age. Now, that's not me. Yet, hallelujah. Uh, not rich, in a lot of ways. Some of y'all think y'all just thinking about rich being money. Rich ain't just being money. Amen. Amen. See, I had to say that because some people think, oh, money. Okay, command those who are rich in this present age not to be what? Haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, watch this, but in the living God who gives us, watch this, richly all things to what? Ain't that something? Did y'all know that was in the Bible? Amen. You don't hear a lot of preachers talking about that. But he wants you to enjoy yourself. Relax. Number, which number is that? Number four. Are we on number four? We're on number four. Amen. Everybody pay attention. They're ready to jump on you, brother. They're, like, they're all over you. 
Grace teaches us, watch this, to avoid a judgmental attitude. And we basically talked a little bit about that, but I'm going to hit on it again very, very gently. Uh, go back, if you will, to Romans chapter number 14. You were there last week. I'm just going to read this verse. Run there with me. I got a couple of scriptures for you this morning, but I don't think I'm going to keep you long. Amen. Romans chapter 14. Look at verse number 10 through 13. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So, each, so then each one of us shall give an account. How many of us? Give an account to himself and to who? Give an account of himself to God, I'm sorry. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. And we're talking about matters of preference, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. I was, uh, I was reading this book by a man by the name of Chuck Swindoll, and uh, it's a wonderful book called Grace Awakening. In fact, I would recommend you get that book. It's a great book. But he had alluded to that there was this one, um, there was this one guy, uh, I'm sorry, this, this, yes, it was a man and a woman, husband and wife, who had visited his church. I think they had some kind of a conference or something. And he noticed that as soon as he came up to get ready to preach, that he's standing up here, he noticed that the husband kept going to sleep. He said it will be like within like two seconds. He said it will be like, and he said, and the wife was sitting up there. She was all enthusiastic. She was bright. She was excited about the word. And he said that it bothered him. He started it to himself. He didn't go right to him and say, thank God. But he started saying to himself, you know what? What's wrong with that guy? He, he is not excited about the word. He, he comes in here. And he falls asleep. How embarrassing that is. How disrespectful that is. How terrible that is. Because on the surface, it looked like the brother was not interested. I want to underscore on the surface. So at the end of the service, the wife comes up, the one that's bubbly, wide-eyed, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. She comes up and she says, hey, hey, pastor, um, I just want to say that I just want to let you know that my husband absolutely loves you. He thinks that you're one of the best preachers on the planet. But, you know, he's, he's dying of cancer and, and he's under chemotherapy. And he, he's under some real, real heavy medication. And because the medication is so heavy that it makes him fall asleep. But he begged me to come here, and he can't wait to get here every week. He said he felt like crap. I'm paraphrasing. Why did I say that? Because we in the body of Christ, we judge people all the time, don't we? Yes. And, you know, preachers, some of this we brought on ourselves. But, you know, preachers, we get it. You see a preacher with a nice car, a nice house? Oh. Materialistic. He just, he, he ain't a preacher of God because he would really preach, he'd be poor. He'd be, driving, he'd be driving a Toyota. And he'd be living in a two bedroom duplex. But we that you ain't sit down and talk with him and say how he got that. You don't know, listen, we don't know his heart. We don't know what he had to do to get that. We don't know if somebody gave, we don't know. All we just look at it and we just say, he's a crook. And we do it to each other. People come in and, and we put judgments on them. We look at people and, and we automatically assume without even getting the facts. People of grace are not judgmental. The longer I live, the more I realize I just need to leave people alone. Because sometimes everything ain't always what it looks like on the surface. Could you imagine what Chuck Swindoll felt like when he found out that guy was dying of cancer and he loved him that much that he would come he would come halfway asleep drugged up but I gotta come we all gotta be careful that's why Paul says to the Romans says y'all need to stop judging each other I mean no there used to be a saying I forget who it was uh, might be dating myself but there's a TV show that used to say just the facts you know what I'm talking about Dragnet, just the facts. I mean, no, we ought to be, that's why the Bible says we need to be slow to speak and quick to what? But how I mean, no, we're a little bit quicker with the mouth. And we need to pull back and say, wait a minute, maybe sister, brother, so-and-so is this way because of whatever. Our preferences are different. Our personalities, I mean, no, we're different. 
I had one lady came to me one time, and she said to me, and she came to visit church, and she says, she says to me, she says, well, you, you, you know, you, you need to be more like this. Because the place that she was, you know, the preacher was a certain way, and that's what she liked. And she said she wanted me to kind of, you know, I need to follow suit. I kind of looked at her and said, well, you need to find yourself another place. Because I am me. And so I want y'all to know right up front, I'm very comfortable being me. I'm not going to try to be what everybody else wants me to be. I'm not going to try to preach like anybody else preach. I'm going to preach like me. I'm going to be me because I'm free to be who? Me. You are free to be you. And when you ever get that revelation, your life will be so much more happier because you try to please people. That's a slippery slope. That ain't going to ever happen. You're always going to be disappointed. I've learned that the hard way. I was a people pleaser. I had to make everybody. I don't know more. I just don't. I have time. I got souls to change, save, life to change. I got to preach. I don't have time to be worried about little things. I need to be focused about doing my father's business. Amen. So look at your neighbor and say, be you. That's right. And be happy being you. Amen. And where you need to change it, let the Lord change it. You, you know, you're in sin or something, get it right. But be you, your personality, your preference. Everybody's different. What they like. I mean, you know, the body of Christ, God never intended us to be all cookie cutter. I never like neighborhoods. This is just me. Okay, don't nobody judge me. <laughs> I never like neighborhoods that got all cookie cutter houses. I just don't. I don't like it. There's one reason why I like Aquire Harbor. I mean, I don't like everything about Aquire Harbor. But one thing, if you come in my neighborhood, don't come to my house right now because it's flooded. That's a whole other story. Um, but if you come in my neighborhood, there's a, you know, we got all kind of houses. Am I right about Because I believe the kingdom of God is about variety. God made people, look, uh, well, Sister April is more outgoing, right? She's excitable. Sister Mary's a little bit more laid back. Brother Roland's a little bit more studious. Right? What I'm trying to say is we're different. And everybody is different. But it's okay. Let's stop judging people. Amen? Amen. What number are we on? Number six. Number five. I just want to make sure y'all are keeping up. Grace teaches me to consistently forgive. Uh, Ephesians 4.32. We want to be a church that practices forgiveness. That's easier said than done. Because everybody in here knows that you're supposed to forgive, but everybody don't do it. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind to one another. And by the way, that's a command. I know you need to be kind to people. You can be kind to people and disagree with them. Amen. <laughs> There's no excuse to be rude and ungodly, mean, and treat people any kind of way. We always need to treat one another with what? Respect. Because we're made in the image of who? God. And be kind to one another. I'm kind to folks at work when I disagree with them. Believe it or not. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as in Christ forgave you. Just as God in Christ forgave you. How many know that Jesus has forgiven us quite a bit? And we need to practice. And so here's the thing. Here's the deal. How many know that when you're in a church, in a church community, that at some time, at some point, somebody's going to offend you? But every time they come to you and they say, forgive me, I'm sorry, we're supposed to forgive them. Well, I don't know about that. This one really hurt. Let me say this in a real nice way. Get over it. Suck it up. If you call yourself a Christian, I mean, no, you dead. You die to yourself. I mean, no, the people of God ain't got no business holding grudges. The people of God holding grudges, being upset about stuff? Are you serious? You're going to be mad? You're going to be upset? You're going to hold something against me? And you call yourself a Christian? That's basic Christianity. Everything about our faith, it screams forgiveness. The Bible says that we are reconcilers so that we're to be reconcilers to the world. We are ambassadors of grace. We have to be reconciled to one another. And how many know the people of God ought to be people that forgive each other? And listen, it ain't up for debate. 
Don't tell me how bad your situation was. I just got to refer back to the book. And the book don't say that there are certain things you don't have to forgive for. It just don't say that. I know some things are hard. I know some things are challenging. But how many know that we have to because people of grace need to always be in a position to minister. And when you're bitter and upset, you're in bondage. You're in bondage. If you see somebody and you can't, listen to me, if you see somebody you can't even stand to look at them, you need to get free. You start running and change your whole demeanor, you need to get free. There have been some people that's offended me and said some things to me. I mean some terrible things to me. But I released them. I forgave them before they even said it. Because I determined that I'm going to stay free. I'm going to say free. I like being free, don't you? I, don't, I, I like being free where I can enjoy my God and I can love you even if you don't love me back. Somebody say, ouch. I ain't getting a whole lot of amen. I got like one or two. But everybody should have been saying amen on that one. Now, I'm not going to believe it. It's number six. Grace, this is, this is the kind of people, the kind of church we want to be. Grace teaches us to give joyfully. Diva read my whole thing. She did a little sermonette on it, so I can't even touch it. She didn't know I was reading this. But, but he, he, let me just say this, that the people of God ought to be the most giving people on the planet. We should be, listen, we have an opportunity to give. Your first thought shouldn't be, oh, here they go. They just want my money. If you feel that way about your church, you better get out of that church and join another church. Why would you be in a church if you think the church is after your money? Why are you sitting there? If you believe that, find yourself someplace else, but you need to get free, whereby when the opportunity presents itself to give, you want to be able to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Here's an opportunity for me today to meet a need. Here's an opportunity for me to sow. Hallelujah. We got what going on? Thank you, Jesus. Here it goes. He says, I'm able to make all grace abound towards you so that you will have more than enough and so you can give to every good need but the people of God ought to be rejoiceful and resourceful and abundant that's why we say we say time for the offer some of y'all go woo but you know we need to say that from the heart where it's just like you know what this is good because God teaches us to give Jesus says watch this and do y'all really believe this? Say amen. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yes. Do y'all really believe that? Yes. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Jesus said it. <laughs> but I'm just saying. He says it's more blessed to give. The world says it's more blessed to what? Hold on to it or, or to receive. Jesus comes. He flipped the whole thing around. He said, no, 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 no. It's not that way. So the people of God ought to be Givers, and they should be excited about it, happy about it, enthusiastic about it. Thank you, Lord. I have an opportunity. We have May Festival coming up. What do you need? I can give something good. Thank you, Jesus. Let me know he'll bless a cheerful giver like that. God will bless you because your heart is right. Amen. Come on, say amen to that. Number seven, we said we got ten. We're moving right along. I'm going to finish in record time. Hallelujah. Watch this. Grace teaches us, this is the kind of people we need to be, teaches me to boldly proclaim Christ. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. This is the kind of church you want to be, right? We want to be a church that don't apologize for Jesus. I am, I mean, we, we're not a social club church. <laughs> you know, we're not going to cater and just kind of be like, Okay, everybody is welcome. Everybody got your way. You got my way. That way, everybody's way going to get there. We all good. Let's just keep it toned down. No. Everything that we're about is Jesus. This whole thing is hinged on Jesus. This, I mean, our whole faith is about Jesus. The only reason I got up this morning at 5.30 was because it was about Jesus. And you want me to be silent when it comes to Jesus? 
No, see, a church of grace is a church that don't apologize for Jesus. It's a church that boldly proclaim that Christ is its master, its Lord, and the very reason that they exist, and we don't apologize. Look at Acts chapter 433. You there? I tried to give you time to get there. Are you there? I love this verse. And with great power, watch this. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great power. Watch this. And what kind of grace? What kind of grace? Great grace was upon them all. Why did that great grace come upon them? Because they testified about the risen Christ. How many know that we're going to be a church that's going to make a difference whereby God's grace is upon us? That we need to be people that boldly proclaim Christ. Don't be afraid next week to talk about Jesus. Boldly proclaim him because, how many know, that is the gateway to grace. And I don't know about you, but I want God's grace. I want his unmerited favor. I want God, I want, I want to experience the full bore of his grace. And how many know that when we proclaim Christ and we stand up for Jesus, Great grace coming our way. As a church, great grace coming our way. That every time we walk around the corner, there should be somebody bragging and boasting about Jesus. Every time I turn around, somebody always talking about Jesus. Yes, I am. Because I want great grace. Number, what number are we? Number eight. This is a big one for some of y'all. Y'all ready for this one? This is huge. This, this is like the biggest of them all. What kind of church you want to be? We want to be a church that Watch this. This is deep. Deep. A church that laugh. You know, you know, a church that smiles. A people that are excited about their God. Amen. How many know that when you know that Jesus has done what he's done in my heart, I can't help but laugh. I can't help but be excited. I can't help. I believe there's a lot of people sick today because they don't laugh enough. A lot of the people of God. because the two, See, one of the things I like about Sister April, that's one of the many things I like about April. A April, April knew how to have fun. You know, last year, I thought we were going to have that. We had a little thing at our house last year. And, you know, everything, I mean, we had a blast. I mean, there were a couple of people about to fight over a Bible, but we got it all worked out. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But we had a blast, y'all remember? I mean, just, just know how to laugh. Just know how to have a good time. You, you, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like sometimes the, the, the people of God, we just sometimes, we, we're just all stoic and we're just too serious. And we can laugh every place else. We can laugh on the football field. We can laugh when we're talking about sport. When you come to church... I'm holy. I'm holy. Some of y'all just need to go and get yourself a good godly comedian and laugh a little bit. One thing Sister April said all the time up here, hallelujah. I know some of y'all, some of y'all come from a really, 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 really religious background. By the way, I'm not religious. If you haven't figured that out, I'm just not. I've tried that. I've been there, done that. I'm not religious. I'm free. Um, but also, religious people be like, that's not inappropriate to be saying that in the church. The church is supposed to be. Look at the name and say, relax. We're family. Come on, y'all. We're family. We don't need to take everything overly serious. I mean, there's a time to be serious. Don't get me wrong. And we're going to get serious sometimes because we have to. But you know what? We don't have to try to like make up bad stuff or just walk around gloomy, upset. We need to just laugh. Some of y'all say, well, Pastor, show me a scripture verse. Okay. Because some of y'all ain't going to believe it unless I show you a verse. First of all, in Ecclesiastes, I believe chapter 3, it says that's a time to what? Laugh. But then watch this. Proverbs 17.22. Some of y'all got to lay eyes on it. Run there real quick. Proverbs 17.22. When you get there, shout amen. Shout like the Cowboys just got a touchdown. That's weak. 
Oh, this is, this is Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. See, I, I can laugh and I have a good time. See, religious people, they get upset. You ain't supposed to be talking about football. You know, the church I was, like I tell you this, he went, one time it was a Super Bowl. It was the Cowboys playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 1992. We went, right? Hey, I know it was a long time ago. And uh, in the church, we had a TV like in the off corner. And so it was, it was our custom that on, in, in church, we ain't supposed, you know, you got to be like, you know, nothing. You can't talk about nothing. You can't, you, you got to be. And so the brothers, it was like you know, a bunch of big brothers. In fact, one of the brothers was an NFL football player. And so he, they had a TV. So the church had ended. This was a Sunday evening service. So, you know, and so church had ended. And so, and so we could only see like maybe the fourth quarter because it was like, because he would keep us in there for like four hours on Sunday evening. I ain't exaggerating. And, and, and so, so then what happened was uh, Brother Fluck over there, he turned the TV on. He turned on TV and everybody over there, all the brothers just, you know, they were looking for the, looking for the pastor. And looking. Everybody just tiptoed. They didn't want to see who's winning the game. And he walked in. He said, turn that thing off. Turn it off. Boy, all of us, like, like, like a dog would tell be running. Everybody's scatting. I didn't cut it on. Who cut it on? <laughs> I came up out of that. I'm telling you. Y'all got a good pastor. <laughs> but, but, you, but, you know, I mean, just like, uh, I mean, that's the, way, that's the way they roll. That's, that's really, really serious. But watch this. We said Proverbs 17, 22. I don't even know why I said that, but it might have helped you. A merry heart does good like what? Medicine. Medicine. But a broken spirit does what? There you go. Now you got permission to laugh. Now you got permission to smile. Now you got permission to be happy in Jesus. Amen. Come on. Y'all, we just need to laugh a little bit. When's the last time you just laughed? When's the last time you just had a good time? Sister said, yesterday? <laughs> you go, sis. Well, you need to help everybody else. Because we're free. As long as we ain't crossed, we're free, people. Laugh. God wants you to laugh. Because he says, a merry heart like a good medicine. If you're sick, laugh some. That we said, a merry heart. But a broken spirit drives up the bone. How many know we got a lot of dry? Well, let me, let me keep rolling. Keep rolling. All right. Number nine. See, I behave myself. I get a little happy sometime up here. Number nine, grace teaches support and consideration of others. Look at, um, well, I'll just read it. Philippians 2, 4, because we got to get you out of here. Let each one of you, watch this, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of what? Others. So I mean, no, the kind of church we want is that a church that's always thinking about the other person. You know, I'm all, I laugh sometimes. People say, hey, man, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And so every now and then I think to myself, well, you know, the, the brothers that come here every week and see that, sometimes they got to go too. Everybody got to go. How many of you busy? Is everybody here busy? Did everybody got something to do on Sunday? Amen. How about every now and then, watch this. How many know that, that, that it won't hurt every now and then that you just say, you know what, I'm going to think of somebody else because maybe they want to get home a little bit early today, so I'm going to take the load off of them. What am I doing? I'm thinking about other people. There are brothers came up this morning around 8 o'clock. We begin at 8 o'clock this morning to set this place up for you. People setting up sound systems, setting up chairs, and thank God for them. And you know when they do that? They're thinking about others because I'm sure they would love to stay in the band, at least for a little bit while longer. But it's something about the people of God that's always thinking about somebody else. You know, I got home last week and I got a phone call. I just got home. I had a long week. Then my week got longer this week. And, uh, and Brother Lawrence called me. Brother Lawrence said, because he said, well, I went down my list. I called every you in. I said, all right. And I pointed up. My wife said, where are you going? I said, somebody need my help. And I was going out of the door. Brother needed help with a big old door, didn't you? Did I not come running? I got in the car. I said, they need my help. Got to go. Because part of my, my Christianity tells me that I'm supposed to look out for my brothers and my sisters. 
if they need my help. Now, we can't do stuff all the time, but how do you know it should be the exception, except it should not be the norm, that we need to be supportive of each other's, our spiritual growth and how we treat each other. We need to support each other in every way we can. We need to edify each other. We need to build up each other. We need to strengthen each other. This is the kind of people that we need to be. How I many know it's so easy to be focused on just you? But every now and then, just think to yourself, well, wait a minute. I'm going to do something. I'm going to step outside of me. The Bible says he who desires friends must first show himself what? Friendly. There's some folk that just think the whole world evolves around them. But you ever thought that maybe if you want people to be nice, you be nice to somebody else? How I many know the Bible says you reap what you what? Lastly, we want to know what number are we? Watch this. This is going to end it. Grace causes us, this is the kind of people that we want to be, church, to speak well of one another. Everybody say well. well. Speak well. When you talk about your brothers and sisters, are you speaking well of them? Let your speech, this is Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always, always, does anybody need me to define always? Be seasoned with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Ephesians 4.31, another reference point. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. How many know these are not options? But how many know that you would love to come into an environment where people just build you up all the time? You know, like, like this brother right here, he walks up this morning. Brother handed me, some of y'all know what this is all about. Brother walked over and handed me a nickel this morning. I mean, I be keeping them nickels. I got a bunch of nickels on my little, every time a brother give me a nickel, that's, that's their way of saying they've been praying for me. I said, wow. Because, you know, sometimes when you're going through it, you feel like you're by yourself. I went through some stuff this week. I was like, man, does anybody know what I'm going through right now? I came back from Texas. My house was a mess because it flooded. Now, that's a whole other story. But, but the point of it is, is, is that we need to speak well of each other. You, you, you know, we want to have an environment that when people come in, you know what, Sean, you're a hero. You can make it. Stand firm in Jesus. You're strong. You're going to make a difference. How many know that he'd he like to hear that? Amen. Brother, how are you doing today? Sister, how are you doing? You are highly anointed. You are blessed of God. You know what? You are gifted and highly. I noticed about you, you are just, you're an awesome woman of God. How do we know that we need to think of ways to build up each other? And that we need to speak well. That, that, listen, if, if there's a problem with a brother or sister, how many know how are you supposed to deal with that? Who want to be a part of a church where you got this click over here and that click and these people talking about? Who want to be a part of that? That's why we say we do our meet and greet. We tell everybody, watch this. Go hug somebody that you ain't used to talking to all the time. Because most of us, we go straight to the people that we're comfortable with. But you know, the other folk here, they're part of the body. Or if they're not, we're hoping they will be. Amen. And so we need to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to speak well. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to strengthen, and I'm going to be a person to build up and not going to tear down. I'm going to be a reconciler in God's kingdom. How many of you know that's the kind of church that we're supposed to be? And if we're anything else, if we tear down each other, the Bible says, be careful that we don't devour one another. Because how many know we can do that? It's so easy to talk about other people in the church, especially when you don't agree with them. Can I say that you ain't ever going to agree, man. I think it's overrated sometimes. Nobody in this world I love more than my wife, and I don't agree with her half the time. But we make it happen. We make it happen. But in the church, we don't, we don't, we don't, no, you, we dug in. I mean, we, we, we need to be people that are free. I'm finished. But listen, we need to be people that are free. As we conclude this series, here, here, here's, our, here's what I hope you gain from this, that, that, that you understand that 
that God loves you and that you can be free to enjoy him. Nobody in here thinks for a second that when we said freedom that we talked about uh, uh, free to sin. Did anybody think that? Nobody ever thought that, right? We're free to enjoy life. We're free to have a wonderful church. We're free to enjoy our relationships with each other. We are free to be happy and to be you. How many of you love you? You need, to, you need to be able to say, I love me. Amen. Because Jesus loves you. And that's more than enough. Amen? Amen. 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 So bow your head. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We love you. If you're here this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus, perhaps none of this make real sense to you. Jesus died that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life is not promised. If you're sitting here today and you've been listening and you have not given your life to Jesus, this is very serious. This has to do with your eternal destiny. If you know in your heart that you have not given your life to Jesus, you need to make him Lord today. Make him Lord today. Do not leave this building without knowing that you have eternal life. He paid an an awesome price. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, if I die today, I have no clue where I'm going. I don't have a clue. If I die today, I don't know if I end up in hell. I don't know if I end up in hell. I don't know anything. If that's you today and you're saying, I want to know, I want eternal life, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Is there one? Amen. And those who are here this morning, you've been listening and you're, you're saved, you're in the kingdom. My prayer is that, is that you will enjoy the life and the freedom that Christ gave you. That you would enjoy his grace. That you would walk in grace, that you would grow in grace. That we will be a people of grace, that we will be a church of grace. Maybe the Holy Spirit throughout this series have convicted you on areas where you've been maybe a little bit too critical, maybe too judgmental. Whatever the case might have been, just take a moment. Just ask the Lord to just, just, just speak to your heart. Just renew your thinking. We want to make sure that we're giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to change us in areas that we need to be changed. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Father, you see the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord God, for saving us by your grace, keeping us by your grace, and empowering us by your grace every day. May we live every day knowing the goodness, the sweetness of your power, your mercy. May we, Father God, know to love you more and more than we did just a second ago. Lord, we want to love you more. Lord, reveal yourself to us. Manifest yourself to us again and again and again. Make us, God, make us a people of grace, a people that appreciate all that you have done for us. And we show that appreciation by our obedience to the things that you've called us to obey. Father, we love you for that. And once again, Lord, I thank you for all the mothers. And Father God, I just pray that you'll bless them today, particularly those who are the daughters of Abraham. Hallelujah. Bless them and keep them, Lord. And Father, we give you the praise. Let's stand to your feet. I know Sister Abel wanted to meet with a second. And we're going